You're listening to the Pursuit of Christ podcast, where we are passionate about developing a deeper relationship with Jesus Christ by taking the truths of Scripture and applying them to everyday life. We hope that you'll be encouraged and challenged as we examine God's Word together today. Well, good morning and uh, happy Friday to you. And uh, so I know uh, it's almost the weekend today. and so we're very excited to, uh, very excited that it's Friday, excited, looking forward to Sunday and our opportunity to worship, uh, worship the Lord together and uh, coming up on the end of the work week here. And so as we do that, I'm excited to be able to take God's word, open it up and share it with you today. Uh, Pastor Will did get in safely uh, yesterday, so we're thankful for that. And so he'll be in and around today. He'll be back on Sunday, uh, continuing on in our study through the book of Acts. And so we're excited about that. And uh, so, but he asked me if I would be willing to to open up the text of Scripture with you this morning and to share, uh, share some simple thoughts with you from the book of Proverbs. Uh, so we're going to be in Proverbs chapter 5 this morning. Proverbs chapter 5, and we're going to be looking at uh, verses 7 through 14. And I've entitled this lesson this morning, The Destructive Nature of Adultery. Okay, the destruction of adultery, verses 7 through 14 of Proverbs chapter 5. But before we go ahead and look at the text this morning, I think it's appropriate for us to ask the Lord to help us. So let's have a quick word of prayer, and then we'll just look at, uh, we'll walk through these seven verses this morning. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for the opportunity to look at your word today. I pray that you would help us. And uh, help me to rightfully divide the word of truth. I pray that these uh, thoughts would be um, challenging, that they would be thought-provoking as we consider the destruction of sin, uh, the destruction of adultery, Father. I pray that you would help us to take heed, to listen, uh, to walk in the path that you've laid out for us. And we'll give you the honor and glory for it because you're the one that deserves it. And in your name we pray. Amen. All right, Proverbs chapter 5, verses 7 and 8 say, say this. Hear me now, therefore, O ye children, and depart not from the words of my mouth. Remove thy way far from her, and come not nigh the door of her house. So when I look at verses 7 and 8, again, this is a natural division in this chapter. The author uh, is talking to his son, and the exhortation that he gives in verse 7 is, Hear, and depart not from the words of my mouth. I think that what the author is saying here is he's saying, Flee! Flee, and the reason is found in verse 8, remove thy way far from her and come not nigh the door of her house. Temptation comes merely from the woman's presence. So he says, look, don't, don't even get close. Don't even come near the door of her house, but rather flee, move away, run, run. So I think that the author here is encouraging the youth. He's encouraging his son to flee, to run, avoid, avoid the strange woman, the adulterous woman, avoid her at all costs. If you wanted to sum up these two verses in a principle, I think it would be this. Don't play with fire lest you be burned, right? So so don't get close. Don't play don't play with temptation. There is danger here. And so he's saying run, flee, move in the opposite, move in the opposite direction. So in verses 7 and 8 we see the exhortation, why? Why does he tell us to do this? Why does he tell us to run? Why does he tell us to flee? Why does he tell us to move away? Well, because starting in verse 9, and really in verses 9 through 14, he gives us the consequences of adultery, the devastating consequences of adultery. Let's look in verse 9. He says, lest thou give thine honor unto others. Adultery damages our reputation. It damages our reputation. This, When it says here, lest thou, lest thou give thine honor unto others, that implies a loss of personal dignity. 
So there is damage that occurs to our reputations. There is damage that occurs when, uh, when adultery happens. And this is one of the consequences of it. But not only that, look at verse 9. He says, And thy years, so lest thou give thine honor unto others, and thy years unto the cruel. So this implies a loss of youthful health and energy. So this could, it could actually be by oppression by the woman and some of her friends or accomplices. And the reason that I kind of draw that conclusion is because in the first half of verse 9, he says, lest thou give thine honor unto others. And others there is a plural idea. And he says, and thy years unto the cruel. So who are the cruel? Well, I think that the cruel and the others in this verse are related. So the same people that look at your reputation as being damaged, those are the same people that are sapping away your health and energy. What exactly does that look like? I, I don't know. Um, I was even thinking that the text is a little bit ambiguous here, but I was even thinking this could be that when there is this loss to your reputation, this could be some kind of like a, like a blackmail situation. You know, I mean, this, this, this impacts that saps away your health. It saps away your energy. It saps away your youthfulness. And those things are draining when you're always looking over your shoulder. You have people that are holding things over your head. That's a difficult situation to be in. And so he says here, look, in verse 9, not only is your, is your honor damaged, not only is your reputation damaged, but now people are holding things over your head. And what's happening is it's sapping away your youthfulness and it's sapping away your energy. But not only that, look at verse 10. He says, lest strangers be filled with thy wealth and thy labors be in the house of a stranger. This tells me that there is also a loss of personal wealth and a loss of material possessions. And I think when you see things, uh, divorce that happens as a result of adultery or couples fall out of love and there are divorce proceedings, there's, there's no reason outside of personal infidelity or they want to pursue, the couple wants to pursue other relationships. There is a loss of personal wealth when, when a, a couple's, uh, when a couple's finances are split and you're paying child support and for couples, for, for individuals that have been married one, two, potentially even three times. And you look at that is draining on your personal wealth. And so we've seen it damages your reputation. It saps away your youth and your energy. It also affects your personal finances. And now look at verse 11. He says, and now mourn in the last when thy flesh and thy body are consumed. That idea of mourning there can literally be interpreted or translated as groaning. So literally your body groans because your flesh and your body are consumed. So what exactly does that mean? <laughs> well, uh, commentators are kind of split on this. I think if you were to take it uh, at the very least, I think what this means is it could be a loss of physical power as, as the labor, the draining effects of this type of adultery that we've talked about. As the draining effects and the physical labor of losing your personal finances, it drives your body beyond your personal self-reliance. So at the very least, I think when it talks about the groaning, when you're, when, uh, let me look at it exactly, the groaning when your flesh and body are consumed, I think on the one hand, at the bare minimum, that's probably what that means. On the other extreme, I think that this could also potentially depict one who is afflicted with AIDS or some other type of venereal disease, some, some type of sexually transmitted disease as a result of an impure lifestyle pursuing sensual illicit relationships. So I think the author of Proverbs, well, it's a little bit ambiguous here. On the one hand, it could mean this. On the other hand, it could mean this. Or it could depict people who are struggling with both. 
But we have to understand that what the text tells us is that there is groaning as our physical body is afflicted as a result of the destruction of adultery and the destruction that, that that has on us. And then I look at verses 12 through 14. It says this, And say, How have I hated instruction, and my heart despised reproof, and have not obeyed the voice of my teachers, nor inclined mine ear to them that instructed me? I was almost in all evil in the midst of the congregation and the assembly. I think that there's tremendous regret that we don't walk in obedience. I mentioned this yesterday, but my dad always told me that sin will take you farther than you want to go, and it will cost you more than you want to pay. And when I read about the devastating consequences of adultery in this text, that, that comes to my mind. Because what I look here is a man who desires to pursue pleasure, a man who desires to, to fulfill his own lusts. And the consequences of that sin have taken him way farther than he wants to go, and it's cost him way more than he wants to pay. Both in terms of material possessions, in terms of what that has done to his physical body, and now you have regret, emotional, spiritual anguish as a result of he knew the truth and, choose, and chose not to pursue it. So after the youth is broken here, he desires to return back to the teaching that he was originally given. And then in verse 14, when he says, I was almost in all evil in the midst of the congregation of the assembly, what does that mean? Well, I think what that means is that he's overwhelmed by the extent of his judgment. He's overwhelmed by the devastating nature of these consequences. He is broken. He is groaning. He is financially ruined. His honor is in tatters. And now he looks and he says, I'm in the midst of all evil. His judgment is way more intense. His judgment is way more devastating than he had initially thought that it would ever be. So when we look at and consider adultery, it is destructive. There is a destructive nature that's here. Now, when I was thinking through this text and I was meditating on it and chewing on it a little bit, and I was thinking, so what are some applications? What, what do we take from this? And how do we go out and think, okay, we don't just want to be hearers of the word, right? We want to be doers of it. So outside of don't commit adultery, <laughs> what are some practical applications? What are some practical implications that you and I can think through for our own lives so that we can go out today? How does this text impact and change the way that we live? That's the question I've been thinking through. So let me give you three simple applications that I think are appropriate based on this text. The first one is this. We live in a sexually crazed society. I mean, you look around us and we live in a sex crazed world. And illicit activities are often packaged and they're marketed as normal. And when I come back to verses 8 and 9 of Proverbs chapter 5, or verse 8 specifically, when he says, Remove thy way far from her and come not nigh the door of her house. Look, we have a responsibility to flee. We have a responsibility to run away. Don't play with fire lest you be burned. Lest you be burned. And there are times that Jesus talked about radical amputation to walk in holiness. Right. And so he told us, look, if your right eye offend thee, pluck it out. If your arm offend thee, cut it off. He's talking about radical uh, th things in our lives that we need to radically change in order to make sure that we're walking in and pursuing holiness. And I think that that's an appropriate application here for chapter five and verse eight. You and I need to flee. I'm reminded of the words of Second Timothy 2.22. When Timothy is exhorted to flee youthful lust, run, go. I mean, we think about Joseph and Potiphar's wife. Joseph had an opportunity to commit adultery, and yet, even though it cost him, he chose to flee and to pursue God, and God richly rewarded him in the future for his actions. So just because we live in a sexually crazed society 
uh, does not mean that we should accept that as normal or we shouldn't accept the packaging and say, well, it's no big deal, but rather we should flee the lusts that are out there. But not only should we flee from those, but I think we also need to define sin in the way that the Bible defines it. And let me explain what I mean by that. I was doing a little bit of research for this study this morning, and so I, I thought it was interesting because I thought, okay, well, if we live in a sex-crazed society, does our worldview adultery as normal? And surprisingly, a recent poll shows that 91% of Americans view adultery as wrong. They say, look, you should, if you're in a marriage, you shouldn't cheat. But they also say if you're in a marriage where you're not fulfilled, if you're in a marriage where you're miserable, just divorce the person. Right. Just divorce the person and move on. So even though 91 percent of Americans think that cheating is wrong, the same polls suggest that those same Americans want the right to leave a marriage as easily as possible. So they say, look, if you're in a marriage, don't cheat, but just divorce the person and then you're go free. They're free to go do whatever you want. Well, I look at the teaching of Christ and Paul in the New Testament, and that is sin. That is sin. And so today, I think our culture tells us that marriage and the sexual union that it comprises is primarily about individual happiness rather than procreation or ensuring communal, communal stability or for the mutual growth and, and love of a family unit. And so what our culture has done is it's taken this idea and our culture says, yes, adultery is wrong, but our culture also has made ways for adultery to happen. But we have to define adultery in the way that the Bible defines it. And I think that this is an area that we're lacking in the Christian church. In fact, among professing believers, the divorce rate is nearly as high as it is among professing unbelievers. So we have to be careful that the world's culture and the world's, the world's ideology and the world's teaching doesn't infiltrate the church. We have to look at the text of Scripture and we have to examine it and we have to call what the Bible says is sin as sin. So when we talk about things like adultery, Jesus took this teaching and he amplified it in the New Testament when he says, look, if you look at a woman with lust in your heart, you already committed adultery. Well, that impacts the way that I live today. And there are things that our culture says are acceptable. Um, they should be just fine. It's no big deal. And yet Jesus says, look, that is adultery. That is sin. And adultery is destructive. And we need to be careful not to allow our culture's view of adultery. And we need to be careful to not allow our culture's view of marriage. And we we can't allow our culture's view of divorce to impact the way that we approach the text of Scripture. We need to let the Bible stand for itself. We need to let God's Word stand for itself. We need to open it, and we need to call sin what the Bible calls sin. And so as we look at the world in which we live, we need to be honest about what the biblical text teaches. And we need to live not according to our culture, but we need to live according to the Word of God. God's Word is absolute truth. God's Word is authoritative, and we need to make sure that we are living according to its standards. So first of all, don't buy into the lies of our culture. Secondly, make sure that we call sin what is sin. Allow the Bible to dictate the terms of what it calls sin. Because our culture says things that are good, but the attitudes and the actions behind it enable us okay, rather than help bring us back to the truth of God's word. So make sure that we are living according to the truth. Jesus tells us in John 17, 17, sanctify them by thy truth. Thy word is truth. And then I think finally, I think about Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. When Paul tells us, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God. Why? Because that's the only reasonable thing that we can do. 
when we think about the fact that Jesus Christ died on the cross for our sins, when we think about the fact that, listen, if, if, if we've failed in this area, if we're struggling in this area, these things cannot keep us away from the love of God. Jesus Christ died for our sins. He died for adultery. He died for adulterous actions, right? He died for those things. Jesus Christ took those on himself on the cross and he has given you his righteousness. So now in your daily walk, you can live holy and acceptable unto God. And you should, because it's the only reasonable thing that we can do when we think about the fact that Jesus Christ hung bloody and beaten and broken and denied by God himself because he took your sin on him. When we think about the payment that Jesus Christ made for us, living a holy and acceptable lifestyle before God is the only reasonable thing that we can do. And how do we do that? Well, verse 12 tells us, be not conformed to this world. That's what we just talked about, right? Don't be deceived by sin. Don't buy into our culture. Don't let's 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 walk in the truth. Let's let truth speak for itself. Absolute truth in God's word. So be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Take truth in. Read God's word. Talk to the Lord. Meditate on scripture. Share the gospel with others. Engage in the great commission. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove, demonstrate what is good and acceptable in the perfect will of God. Adultery is destructive. It wants to take us and it wants to damage us and it wants to rip us apart. Understand that sin is deceptive. Understand that you and I need to go run to the word of God. We need to define sin the way that God defines it. And we need to make sure that we are walking in truth. And then finally, give yourself to God. Give yourself to God. Present your body as a living sacrifice. Renew your mind. Because when we contemplate and consider what Jesus Christ has done for us, that's the only reasonable thing that we can do. Well, again, simple thoughts from the book of Proverbs this morning, but I, I trust that that's been a blessing to you. I hope that it's been a help and an encouragement. As I was reading through this and studying it, I was like, ah, oh, this isn't really a lesson that I, that I like to teach, that I desire to teach. But at the same time, it's in the word of God and it's truth and it's a good reminder for us. And I believe it's something that we should take on and chew on and meditate in our own hearts and in our own lives. So I hope that it's been an encouragement and a blessing to you in that way. All right. I hope I hope that uh, if you're watching us from uh, if you're watching us from other places, I hope that you enjoy worship in your own local assemblies on Sunday. For those of you who are here with us at Arise Baptist Church, we're looking forward to seeing you and worshiping with you together. And uh, have a great weekend um, together with your local church families. And we'll see you next time we meet together. Thanks so much, and have a great weekend.